Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or perhaps good night. Wherever and whenever you're listening to this, thank you for being here. I'm Rachel Dorsey, the host of This Guy's Legit, and I am so delighted that you are making time to listen to this podcast. If you're new here, you may not know that I am obsessed with goal setting. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I really, really believe that you cannot get anywhere if you don't know where you're going. So a few years ago, I created a workshop. It's called the Get It Strategic Goal Setting Workshop. I created it to take a group of people through a process to clarify and refine who they want to be, how they want to be, and what they want out of their life. It's been several years. Several groups from all over the country have participated in this project, and people are achieving their goals. They're crushing their dreams. They are doing what they set out to do. And whether or not it was because of the workshop, I know that the workshop had a small piece in their success, and I feel really good about that. If you have big dreams, or if you feel like your goals are unclear, or if you feel like you're maybe treading water and you want to be living a big, bold life and you're not sure exactly how to get there, I invite you to participate. We're going to be releasing the date of the workshop soon. Still haven't decided if it's going to be in person or online yet. But in any case, if you're interested, I invite you to sign up for my early updates list. You can check out all the details at thisguyslegit.com. You can email me with any questions at rachel at boningold.com. And you can DM me anytime at This Guy's Legit. And I'd be delighted to answer your questions, to share some of the successes and connect you with some folks who've been through the workshop. Um, it's not a lot of money. It's not a lot of time, but it has a huge impact. Thank you for listening. I see a shelf when I think of my life and it's like some days I'm just I'm focusing on one box and other days there's like all of them are opened and I'm just trying to survive. <laughs> Carla Venegas Quisenberry designs caftan inspired medical and delivery gowns through her company James Fox Co. You can find her online at Carla Quiz and at James Fox Co. Her functional and stylish gowns made their world debut in Aisha Curry's baby announcement and have enhanced the birth, postpartum, and medical recovery experience for women across the country. Her gowns are sold online and at Nordstrom. With her little one in tow, we met up in Oakland to record this conversation. You're listening to This Guy's Legit. Carla. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> so I want to hear a little bit about you. I, I know you started your day in the city. Tell me a little bit about that. Why were you there? So Fair has her own little career. She's she's modeling um, several times a month. And wow. And it's so fun. And I'm this mom juggling her, her little life <laughs> that I want to you know, obviously support. Yeah. So I want to hear, like, so you're, you're a momager. Oh my gosh, that word. That's a thing. Yeah. I think it's a good thing. It I think is. it's wonderful. I think um, something that you said to me or maybe you said to the world, I don't remember anymore. It all blurs together. But the point is, you know, you, something I really admire about you is that you let the girls follow their pursuits and you don't push them. So mm -hmm. I know that you, both of your girls 
have modeled. But I also, I think I understand that your older one is sort of not as into it. No, not too much. And so she's just not really doing it. But Mm -hmm. then this one loves it. Totally. That's so good. She, so she's actually my little introvert, the opposite of me and big sister. And so she takes off after her dad. And so the funny thing is she turns into this super funny joke giving um child and it's kind of fun to see when, when your kids yeah when they're just in their element yeah that's awesome so I want to hear a little bit about how you about you when you were a kid you know you just described that she's more like your husband like were you outgoing were you shy were you a tomboy were you a girly girl like what were you oh, like as okay a kid? I know I have an older brother who's seven years older than me so tomboy to the to the max, my mom would ask me so many times to get a dress on me, and that never happened. Um, so it was denim overalls, thermal. That was my uniform. That was Carla's uniform, and um, I was a tadpole collector, and I ran the uh, teddy bear sticker club for my neighborhood. <laughs> That's amazing. Was that your first business? Yeah, yeah. I had to check your stickers to see if they were good enough to get you in the door. <laughs> hey, man, you have to set your standards. Oh, my gosh. You know, you can't just let anybody in. I was a lot. I was a lot. And I was vocal. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Well, so tell me about that. Like, was that supported as you, when you were a kid? Like, did you see other people like you in the world who were being, you know, out there and just, like, letting everybody know what they thought and felt? Or did that feel... Like you had, like, was it a statement that you were making or you were just being who you are? I was totally being who I was and it was accepted by most, but you know, I never owned a Barbie. I never played with Barbies. So that was kind of hard Mm -hmm. when in my neighborhood I was the biggest tomboy. And so, oh no, don't ask Carla to play over here. She won't play with the Barbies. And I just kind of owned it. I decided I've, I've always been, you know, kind of a happy camper. So I just, Oh, that's okay. You do your Barbies. I'm going to go play with the boys, some street hockey or whatever it was. So it didn't get me down too, too much. I kind of owned it and embraced it. And I come from a long line of strong, strong women. And so I'm really thankful that my mom never put me down for that. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why is it so important to let our children be who they are? Because that's what makes them happy. And to see my kids happy is like the biggest joy in my life when it comes to my kids. So if they're happy, I'm happy. Mm -hmm. That's great. So when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Okay. Honest truth. Paul Abdul's backup dance. (laughs) Like I still remember to this day, you would ask me, and I'd look at you dead in the face and say, I want to I wanna be Paul Abdul's backup dancer. So so did you go to classes? Or this was like you just like had a mirror in the garage? <laughs> it, was, it was in the garage with yeah. my boom box. Yes. And that's where I spent a lot of time. So I come, my parents worked a lot. And that was my, that was my jam. I feel you on that. We had a full, like, you know, those like mirrored closets. Oh, nice. We had like a whole closet door that was in the garage, like down on its side. I and should so have had every, that. Oh, it was the best. It was my dance studio. <laughs> and all the, all the neighborhood kids would come and we'd like make TLC. Oh, I'm like, jealous. 
routines. We could have been, we could have started oh, yeah. our own whole yeah. thing. Yeah, we would have been like homies on the court. It oh, would have been so good. Yeah, MC Hammer Pants. Yes. Bit. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And I would have always been wanted to be in the front, but because I was tall, <laughs> I'd always have been in the back. And it's fine. It is what it is. Sometimes you just have to work harder to get into the spot. <laughs> so what was your first job? Did you, like, did you get your first job when you were 15 or 16? Oh, I was younger than that. So I was super responsible as a kid. And I babysat and nannied. I, I was actually talking to a friend the other day going, I can't believe these parents trusted me. I remember babysitting the four-year-old boy across the street for a weekend when I was 11 <gasps> with a dog. No. Mm-hmm. Yep. People don't even let their 11-year-olds go to the park by themselves anymore. I know. I know. And I full-blown, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, got the mail to carry the dog, and my parents totally let me do it. Oh, my gosh. And you probably made $20 for the whole Probably. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you were pumped. <laughs> yeah. I was always wanting to make money. So yeah. my mom would just say, knock on doors. That's how you get stuff you ask. Well, there's a saying in Spanish saying, um, I'm totally going to butcher it, but basically it's saying to get to Rome, you've got to ask. Mm. So if you want to go somewhere, you got to keep asking. Mm -hmm. I like that. So, so how did you make the leap to entrepreneurship? You know, like, so you were a babysitter. Mm -hmm. What other sorts of jobs, like what like pay stub jobs did you have? Um, I was a server and, um, I actually have always been an entrepreneur. So I never really like to work, work for people. I like to manage my own s schedule. So organization is something I really thrive on. And so since I was young, I knew what I liked to do. And I'm really big on sticking to that. Like mm -hmm. do the things you love. And I loved working for people directly, not big corporations. So um, that's something that I've been able to do for a lot of my life. Is yeah is work one-on-one -on -one with others. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. I think I think that there's a lot of kinds of ways to make a living and a life. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's important to follow your own heart and, and do what makes you feel good. Totally. 100%. Do you feel like you're motivated by money or by the experience of the work or by something else entirely? Two things experience and what it does to make a difference. Mm. Those two things are definitely what motivate me and move me. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm big on emotions. And so I realize that's connected to what I, what I do. I'm passionate about seeing in particular women happy and thriving and being whole. Mm -hmm. And so that motivates me to, to kind of show up and show my side. So tell me more about the inspiration behind the company. You know, yeah. was there like, you, it was missing in the marketplace or tell me more? Well, not at all. So honestly, it was all birthed from the start <laughs> with my own personal experience. So I had my daughter, um, France, and when I packed my hospital bag, I packed it with like one, you know, comfy sweat outfit to wear home after I had her and then she ended up being a NICU baby so she was there for a while and so was I and when it after I had her and I was going back and forth from my recovery room to visit her in the NICU 
I was still wearing, a, well, they gave me a clean one, obviously, but I was still wearing that itchy, reused hospital gown that was like super exposed in the back. And I was feeling sick, even though I wasn't. I was just healing. Yeah. And um, when I was walking up and down the hallways, and then I'd get in the NICU, and there was so many different parents inside doing their thing, and yet I was having to nurse in front of people, which wasn't what was comfortable for me. And I thought, you know what? This is crazy. Like, how are moms supposed to be healing, take care of themselves, nurse a baby, have skin to skin with a baby, talk to nurses and doctors when they feel completely not themselves. And so um, that happened and that bug, that like thing stuck with me and was like, this isn't right. And so I thought about it and I was just caring for my kids. So I didn't think, oh, business idea right away. Um, second baby come around, I thought my situation would be different. It ended up being a Nikki baby as well. This time it was even tougher. And that's when I said, okay, something's gotta change. Women have to have an alternative that they can use because this is nuts. Totally. And that's when my business baby started forming in my mind. I think that's an awesome story. And I think that it's, I think it's so special that you, you know, you, had an experience, you saw the holes in it, you found, you, you, you experienced, um, the parts that were not pleasant. And so you said, I'm going to make it different for other women who are coming down after me. I think that that's really, really special. Um, and I think that that's what we should all be doing. I think that that's, you know, some of the most successful businesses come out of a need. It's not just, you know, we're not just making something for people to buy. We're trying to solve a problem. Mm. Um, you know, something that you mentioned makes me want to chat about, something else, which is, um, what it's like when you first come home from the hospital. And, um, I know everybody's experience is different. And I've heard some women who talk about, you know, the first three months of having a baby is like the fourth trimester. Mm -hmm. And there are some cultures that nobody visits at all yeah. in the first three months. And there are some cultures where the mom doesn't hold the baby. Someone else holds the baby all day. They bring him to the mm -hmm. mom to nurse. The mom is bathed. She rests. Yeah. That's not that's not my experience. Like no. when I when I brought my kids home from the hospital, it was like and I know it partly it was just me, but like I made sure that the house looked nice so that yeah. when people came it was looking good. I made sure that there were cookies when people came. I mean, and I regret that to be perfectly yeah. honest. Like I wish me that too. I had given myself the time and the space to actually heal. Me too. Same thing. I'm such a perfectionist. I love to host and so I felt like I had to have all my ducks in a row um, before I was induced on a Thursday at seven o'clock and I spent the entire day cleaning before. And I, uh, no, I want to pinch myself. Mm -hmm. I should have been doing something extremely fun with my husband. Yeah. If you could give a to-be mother um, any word of advice, like a someone who does not have any children, because it's totally different when you have the second one. It's like, good mm -hmm. luck trying to like yeah, get a date. Exactly. But you know, what would you say to them or like what three things should they do for themselves before they go in to, to meet their baby? Listen to yourself, listen to what really makes you happy and what would bring you the most joy. And don't be afraid to ask for help outsource things. You know, nowadays 
I sound like I'm like 85, but like <laughs> nowadays there's something called Instacart where you could have your groceries delivered. You can hire a cleaner, you know, like be okay with asking for help and being vulnerable enough to, to open up to other people. I've had to really learn that in this new season of life that I'm in and it's super refreshing. It's you're, you're more laid back. You don't put that pressure on yourself and you realize other people sense it too when there's that pressure. And so sometimes it loses joy when you force those things. Totally. Good. Good. So when you were making your transition or like, well, so here's another question. Like you, are you a stay at home parent? Yeah. And you also are an entrepreneur. Yeah. So, you know, I like to ask the question, like, what was your biggest fear during the transition or how you made the leap to this thing? But like, it's been quite, um, it's been very connected for you. It's Mm -hmm. not like you've stopped one life to go lead another. You figured out a way to integrate them. So tell me about what that process has been like. Hard, honestly. It's been so hard because you want to be present and yet it's just a juggling act. I don't know how else to describe it. Some days I wear more of my mom hat to be honest. And other days I don't. And I have the kids go to get picked up by uh, grandparents after school so I can finish up. Um, so it's, it's again, it's being open and being vulnerable and accepting the fact that like I tell, I tell my girlfriends, um, they'll ask, Oh, what are you doing today? I'm like, today I'm working with fair. And then the next day I'm, I'm working with James Fox. So it's like, Every day there's a different box, all these different compartments. I see a shelf when I think of my life and mm-hmm. it's like some days I'm just t- I'm focusing on one box and other days there's like all of them are opened mm-hmm. and I'm just trying to survive. <laughs> yeah. Well, how do you how do you make time for your own self in all of that? So I got a gym membership. Ooh. And that, my friends, has been my saving grace. So I, you know, and prioritize and I cut back on other expenses. So for example, um, cause right now I just can't have my cake and eat it too, as much as I want. So I talked to my husband, we're like, Hey, I said, I need this. Like, how can we figure out a way to do this? And I decided, and for my health, okay, I'm just going to cook at home. Like no more eating out one. It's not good for us Two. I've made it more doable. I've kind of lost the illusion of all these fancy meals and kind of made things more practical. Mm -hmm. And so long story short, it's better for us. It's budget friendly. And now I have a gym membership where they have childcare for three to four hours a day. That's amazing. Yeah. So I get my workout. I get to work there, um, not distracted, and I feel great because I've been able to do a whole bunch of stuff. So I know that um, over the last year or so, you have discovered that you have an autoimmune issue, right? The Hashimoto's, mm-hmm. is that how it's pronounced? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me what that experience has been like, figuring out that, 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 that you're dealing with that. Um, you know, what issues were you experiencing that led you to that conclusion? And how, um, what have you done to heal? Okay. So, um, <clears throat> I was so tired of being tired. Yeah. <laughs> and I hated saying that. So I, 
two things I've tried to change this year is one, saying I'm tired, and two, saying I'm busy. Mm. I've tried to take those words out of my vocabulary. Instead of saying busy, I try to say full. Mm. Because I realize I'm in control of how much I I take. Yeah. And I kind of regained the reins on stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyways, with Hashimoto's, I um, had a back injury last year and then... I went to go see a specialist for that and realized through other blood work that I had a thyroid problem. And um, I was losing a lot of hair. Um, I was emotional. I was gaining a lot of weight even though I was exercising and eating right. Um, I was really forgetful, like scary forgetful, where I would put sticky notes, which I still do, by the way, on my windshield not my windshield on my what do you call it dashboard mm-hmm. and I'd say okay I'm going into home goods to get this and I'd walk in the store and completely forgot what I went in there for when I just read it on my on hmm. my list hmm. I'd walk around other stores or to go do something I'd completely forgotten why I even went inside hmm. so that's when I was like okay or picking up my kids I'd forget the schedule so all that stuff, I just said, you know what, this is, I can't function this way. My life's not that chill where I can just forget stuff all the time. Totally. So I had to gain the reins and um, I had some blood work done and my mom also has Hashimoto's. Wow. So she was on the outside looking in going, honey, this is not just some, like you have what I have. I recognize all these symptoms. You've got to get this checked out. Um, and so, um, long story short, I found out I have it and I feel a sense of relief mm, now Yeah, because it really sucks when you've got stuff going on and you don't have, it doesn't have a name. So you're constantly like trying to figure out what is wrong and you don't know. Yeah. I think also another lesson is always listen to your mother. <laughs> Always, fair. always Can you hear that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Okay. So, when you got diagnosed, did a whole bunch of stuff have to change? Oh my gosh! Life? Like overnight. So, I went to my primary doctor, gave them my um, my symptoms, and they immediately prescribed me two things: an antidepressant and a muscle relaxer. And I was. No judgment if people want to do that. Totally fine. But because my mom has it and she doesn't take any of those things, I knew there was an alternative. There was a different route to healing. And she really emphasizes gut health Mm. and um, healthy foods. And that's what's been healing for her. And so thankfully, I had her wisdom to kind of show me a different route. But it is frustrating for other women who don't have that and are constantly just giving and receiving um, prescriptions yeah. and stuff like that. So that's frustrating. Um, so I'm seeing someone once a week that just checks up on me and adjusts me. And that's been the biggest life change um, in a while that I've had. Yeah, that's great. I think it's really awesome that you that you knew that there was another al- that there yeah. was an alternative route. I think that you know the medical field like just hands out oh, prescriptions totally. like, like candy, candy. Yeah. and it's 
it's really a problem. Yeah, it and, is. You know, we have a friend that we grew up with who, gosh, you know, he he had a really bad injury and he got prescribed like heavy narcotic painkillers mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and that took him right down the road to like intravenous drug use. Oh yeah. And it was like you can draw the line. Totally. And you know, yes, he needed heavy pain medication, but you don't just give somebody that stuff and then expect that they're going to be able to figure it all out on their own. Like, if, right. and I think that, um, you know, this was, we're talking like 15 years ago before mm-hmm. people were watching for stuff like that. And before people were thinking, Oh, like before alternative medicine right. and healing from like the inside out, totally. um, and like changing lifestyle was so mainstream yeah. as, a, as a medical yeah. option. So um, thankful for that. Yes. And I'm grateful that, that our children are growing up yes. in a generation like that as yeah. well. Yeah, they can choose. Yes. So you've, you've cobbled together this really interesting career and life. You know, you, you, like you said, you put it in boxes. You have your, you know, the box where you're helping your children build or your child build her career. Mm -hmm. You have a box where you have your business. You have a box where you manage your family. And you have, of course, a box with your friends, your husband and, and, and your other life. And, and I also see that you have developed quite a following for yourself on, on Instagram Mm -hmm. and, um, that you have built a community around, mm-hmm. um, around you and your aesthetic and your interests. And I also understand that you have sort of been intentionally shifting some of your focuses. Totally. Um, I want to hear a little bit about sort of like how you built that following. And then also I want to hear about sort of where you want to take it moving forward. Sure. The awesome thing. Oh, Instagram. It's such a funny <laughs> thing, right? Um, it's well, Again, I feel like a dinosaur right now, but back when I started, (laughs) um, it was so organic. It was so cool. Um, It was me at home with my toddler, and I just, like I told you earlier, I was never a girly girl. So I initially had a daughter, which by the way, BTW, I wanted four boys. (laughs) That was my ultimate dream. I ended up having two girls, and... So when I was pregnant with her, it's not, I wasn't like trying to buy bows or tons of foofy dresses. And so my way of kind of sharing that organically was through Instagram. Mm -hmm. So I had so much fun dressing up France and her own little personality. Um, cause she's not over the top girly. And so, um, I think maybe that was something that people enjoyed to watch Mm -hmm. or see. I wasn't over girlifying my baby or toddler at that time and then I would have moms literally from all over the world Amsterdam send me a sweater or send me a bow that was like black and white instead of like pink with tulle Mm -hmm. and I was sure absolutely like thank you so much they started sending me boxes of stuff and then I would send them pictures like as a thank you so it would help their business because they would have some marketing stuff and photos to use on their social media. Mm-hmm. And then it helped me because I wasn't having to buy certain things for my daughter. Mm-hmm. So it was super organic. And then it evolved to larger companies. So it was like helping another mom at home, you know, mom and pop shop. And then it just started to kind of snowballing into other, you know, companies that are huge, you know, brands today. Yeah. 
That's amazing. So was it like a fashion lifestyle platform? Like, is that how you used it? Or did it, did, was it really like you were just showing your life? Yeah. To be honest, like legit, it was just me having fun. I wasn't over, I wasn't thinking about it. Yeah. Like, what am I going to do? You know, how am I going to turn this into yeah. money? It was more like, I'm having so much fun with my kid. And I love all this cute stuff. Thank you. Give it to me some more and yeah. I'll share with you. Yeah. I love that. I think that's awesome. And I think that that's, that's the best way to approach anything is like, if you're having a good time, then totally. other people are yeah. having a good time. And if you choose to share it mm-hmm. then and people vibe with it, then right. they'll share it and yeah. other people will vibe with it. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you have a platform and yep. people want to see what you're doing and they want to hear from you. And I think that that's an awesome thing. And I think... I think that marketing is changing. It has changed so much. I was talking about this earlier today. Someone was like, how did you start your career? And I was like, well, my first big girl job, I was in, I was the new media marketing associate for a wine company. This is like when social, so Dinah, talk about a dinosaur. This is when social media was called new media. (laughs) When like YouTube and Twitter were brand new and nobody knew how to use the internet and and Instagram didn't exist yet. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and then I've seen just in the last few years, it's like, you know, anyone who's 28, like automatically has 10,000 followers. And I don't know. I don't know when that happened. I don't know how that happened, but I think it's amazing. And mm-hmm. I think that young people, um, and us dinosaurs, like, <laughs> just like, Oh geez. I know it's so funny cause we're super not dinosaurs at all, but <laughs> no, it's fine. not at all. But, um, you know, people have something to say mm-hmm. and finally we have a way to even the playing field yeah. and anybody can have a platform and anybody can have a voice. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that that's really special. Oh, for sure. If, if someone was to create a brand for themselves or for their business, what would you recommend that they, um, like, how do they start? How do you start to build a brand? Do you have to, like, know your colors? Do you have to know your, your you know, your values? Like, what does it take to, to, like, have a focus for a brand? You know what? I feel like I'm, on like, constantly evolving and changing. And I think... Don't overthink it. I think, okay, here's another saying my mom taught me. Oh my gosh, she just sticks with me. Um, Too much analysis causes paralysis. Oh, I love it. So I grew up with her saying that to me all the time. And I'm a huge risk taker. And um, it shows when you don't love what you put out. And when you put something out that you love and people don't like it, it doesn't bother you as much because it's something you love. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't really matter as much. So I'm new to this. Have you heard of Rachel Hollis? No. Oh my gosh. She's so badass. Okay. So her name is Rachel Hollis and she's an author. And I recently been listening to her like podcasts and stuff. And she said something that really kind of stood out to me when she was talking about social media. She said, stop focusing on the numbers and start focusing on the community you already have. Hmm. And they will help you grow your community because you're being true to who you are and they can see through that. And so it came to me at the perfect time because social media totally is changing. Algorithms are changing. Growth for me personally is super stagnant. Um, And so it was nice to kind of hear, hey, just be me and kind of let the rest do itself, you know, 
do its thing. And what are you excited to try this year? I'm excited to try. I'm gonna give a shot to an idea I've had for a while. I want to write a children's book. Ah, oh, you should do it. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna have some Spanish words in it. It's gonna have um, a little of my childhood wrapped in there. Do you have any big 10 year goals? Yes, um, I wanna live by the beach mm -hmm. and be close enough to visit the city. Um, I'm excited to see where my girls are at because I think they're pretty amazing right now. So I look forward to seeing what they will be doing even while they're in school. I hope to spend a heck of a lot more time with my husband without the kids. And I look forward to seeing James Fox at a place where it's more visible. Mm. So in retail stores, in hospital um, gift shops. Um, plastic surgery offices. Um, I've had women contact me about, you know, they're doing chemo and other things. So I, I started James Fox Co. Marketing primarily to expectant mothers, but I'm honestly seeing it shift into many other facets. And so I'm excited to see where that will go in 10 years. How will you know when you've made it? Hmm. I don't know. I think I'll just know. Mm -hmm. I'll just know. That peace that you have when, when certain things happen in your life, you'll mm -hmm. just know. Yeah. I think I've already made it. I do. I have two healthy kids, great relationship, partnership with my husband. I'm doing what I love right now. I maybe not be living as close to the ocean as I would like, but to be honest, I'm really happy. And I think if I'm happy and were good, then I have made it. Amen, sister. <laughs> I love that. Thanks. So my very last question for you, it's a little bit out of the box, but also it's sort of the whole point in this whole thing. And I want to hear from you for Carla Quiz. What mm -hmm. is the meaning of life? The meaning of life is to spend it with the people you love most. It's to... Treat others the way you want to be treated. And it's to make time for things that you might not have put on your calendar. So just having an open mind, an open heart, I think. Well, thank you for making time for this. It has <laughs> My been, pleasure. It's been such a treat hearing from you and seeing how gracefully you juggle between like living your mom, your like mom life and, you know, adjusting with, you know, making sure that she's taken care of while we're here doing this and also living your hustle and, and working hard and sitting here with me talking about your business and your life. Um, and I'm just so honored to know you and so inspired Aww. by everything you do. Vice versa. I feel the same way. You've been listening to This Guy's Legit. This episode was produced by me, Rachel Dorsey, with editing by Drew Dorsey and original music by Taylor Joshua Rankin. This Guy's Legit is executive produced by Boningold. If you like what you heard, hit subscribe to get the next episode automatically. And if you really like what you heard, leave a review. And follow us on Instagram at This Guy's Legit.